All right, today we are very fortunate to have Afua Nakwa here with us. She is the Marketing Communications Manager at the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. Thanks for being with us today, Afua. Thank you for having me. All right, so I have a couple of questions today for the Social Media Strategies class. Um, the first one, just real simple, um, how long have you been with the Spy Museum and what exactly are your responsibilities there as the Marketing Communications Manager? Uh, so I've been with the Spy Museum since uh, 2012, and um, in my marketing communications role, I am pri primarily work on um, communications w internally, uh, so handling any sort of collateral marketing pieces that come through communications, so that could be anywhere from e-blast um, to any sort of communication that is within our confines. So we currently have a development team, so like an annual report. Uh, I work on the mission and vision statements, um, anything that's internal related. Um, I also am the partnerships coordinator. I guess that you add that to the realm of my, okay. my, my, my responsibilities. So all partnerships that come, so to give you an example, uh, we have local partnerships with um, Ally THA who handle movie screenings for the museum. And so if there's a spy-related a spy movie that comes out, we work with them. We also have revenue-generating partnerships. So we've done one with Metro um, where you, uh, anyone who has a Metro card can come to the museum with, uh, to receive a $7 off uh, uh, coupon. Um, we also have a partnership with Groupon. Um, so those promotions, that's uh, a huge part of uh, my day-to-day -day responsibilities. And then social media is uh, was something that was added um, two years within my starting at the at, at, at SPY. They had a, a social media coordinator, and so it sort of fell in my lap. Um, and so a huge part of that was just, again, our day-to-day -day, um, posting, content, um, responding to customer questions on all our platforms, and then we recently added video to that. Okay, that's, awesome. That's the crux of, yeah, my day-to-day -day position. That's, that's certainly a lot. So I, I know when we, um, when we talked before, you had said, like you, like you just mentioned, that social media was kind of added into your role. Can you kind of give everybody a snapshot of what the – you know, Spy Museum social media look like um, before and then kind of how it's changed um, since you started managing the channels? Sure. Um, when I first started in 2012, uh, Spy social media channels were segmented. Spy has uh, three functioning components, our education department, which drive our mission. So we our programs, our events that are centered around uh, our education and then um, our retail store, uh, the Spy Museum st store brings in about $4 million a year, so it's an integral part of our day-to-day -day business. And then the main primary bricks and mortar uh, museum. Um, so all of those, those three that I just mentioned all had their own uh, social media channel. So uh, Spy Museum Educational Department had um, their own Facebook account and their own Twitter account. Uh, the Spy store had uh, a retail store Facebook account, and um, they were on Instagram and Pinterest. And uh, the museum proper had, you know, all of the all of the channels. So um, Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram. And it was just a very segmented, sort of oriented uh, uh, situation that seemed like we were poaching each other's uh, followers. And so when I started, one of the key things we did was I, I just brought everything into one place. And so we kept the, um, we for a while kept Spy Museum Education just because uh, spy educators, educators are very, are very, very segmented um, audience. And we have so many programs and so many resources that we offer to teachers that it seemed right that they would have their own. So Spy Museum, Spy Education has its own Facebook and its own Twitter, um, which is fine. And they are also on, on Pinterest. Everything else, though, was, was completely cut off. So retail no longer had its own Facebook and Twitter. And um, since then, um, I think when we started, we had about 3,000 followers on Facebook. We did we posted once or twice a week, if that. And um, now our Facebook followers has grown to about 33,000. That's constantly growing. Our Twitter page uh, has, has grown to about uh, 13,000. YouTube was another um, completely um, source that we were platform that we weren't using to the best of our ability. Um, we have so many people who visit the museum and leave the museum, and we wanted to extend that experience beyond our doors. And so YouTube has served as a great purpose for that, and that's something that I've really taken on in terms of allowing um, people to see behind the scenes access to the museum, uh, what the curators are doing, what our historians are doing. And also, if you've missed a program that was held here because you either live internationally or you're, you know, we all typically have first one-time visitors only you get to, to experience our program so all of our programs are uh, recorded and put on YouTube uh, and then again it's again another re really great resource for teachers um, um, to also use that we have a lot of programs that teachers can can share with their class and so um, as far as for retail we really retained Pinterest and Instagram as, as their platform we have so many products that we push out. Um, we have a holiday gift guide, and so those uh, platforms seem to be a great resource at, at a time. Um, but Instagram has since grown to be just our way of, again, giving um, people behind-the-scenes access to the museum. It also um, shares some of our tried-and-true uh, spy history, tried-and-true, you know, Things about the museum, collections, corner, all of those things are also featured on our Instagram. Um, and we're slowly, you know, who knows if we'll ever delve into Snapchat. Uh, I think that's definitely on the horizon for the museum. But since we're currently transitioning out and we're going to be going dark in the next, uh, I don't know, six to eight months or so, I think Snapchat will really serve us well in getting people excited about the new museum. Sure. Did I cover Absolutely. everything? I so what do you what do you think it sounds like you guys have had some real growth on social media recently what do you contribute to to that seemingly incredible short-term growth do you think it's because you consolidated the accounts or is it posting frequency yeah, I, mean, or? I think i think i think it was really having a strategy which is having um what i think are i've tried to infuse into our social media accounts is a real voice you know we are the authority on intelligence and espionage we're the only public museum in uh, in the united states that offers this sort of lens into um, spying so um, what i love about our channels is that i try to infuse 
a lot of the historical information as I and as I said before it's an extension of the museum experience so maybe you love James Bond but did you know that James Bond you know of course you know that James Bond is a fictional uh, character but here are the you know real stories the real spies that are doing this uh, each and every day and then here are the amazing historical artifacts that came from those experiences so I think what I really like about um, our platforms is that it extends that experience and from the retail side if you love our stores so much and you you know you love our I'm telling you nothing happened t-shirt here's where you can do it if you want to have uh, here's where you can purchase it if you want to have your kids birthday party here you know we have an entire Pinterest board that's dedicated to birthday secret agent birthday party so what the, the platforms allows us to have a voice a strong voice when it comes to spying and espionage and have fun with it but we're the authority um, and people come to us first and so what I've liked I've tried to do is sort of infuse that voice throughout our um, channels and it's also helped us in terms of the customer service aspect having consolidated um, all of our accounts has helped us to have a singular understanding of like where our fans are and what their needs are and how we can meet them so you know, on Facebook, if you do send me a question, if you send a question about, you know, I bought a time ticket, when can I, we're still responsive. And again, it helps us with the, it helps the visitor with the entire experience. We have visitors from China, though, reach out to us, you know, several weeks prior to coming to the museum and ask us on Facebook or on Twitter, you know, is the James Bond exhibit still there? This is our avenue to sort of, you know, be able to, to, to respond to them in a timely manner. and. Finally, it's fun. You know, it's it's been. I like I like to introduce the public to fun um, aspects of the museum, fun facts that they were unaware of. Um, you know, education is our mission, but there's fun in spying. There's fun and in, in intrigue in spying, and so we try to have really dynamic imagery that illustrates. Um, you know, what espionage and spying and the tools of the trade. We try to illustrate that. Um, and it's been a real learning curve for me too. Um, you know, we took a chance on uh, took a chance on trying to pull everything together. And I'll be honest with you, you know, we lost a lot of um, followers early on as we were tr making this transition. But we've been able to have consistent content and consistent posts and 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 engagement. And I think that's what's really contributed uh, to um, to this growth. So it sounds like there's just the fact of having a strategy and a plan and making sure that something is happening all the time has really been been sort of the, the key to doing that. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned a lot of the different kind of things that, that you post. How do you decide, you know, what things, whether it's the fun facts, and I know you have, you know, today in Spy History and some things like that. How do you decide what gets posted to what platform, and does it, do you ever, like, co-mingle? Does, you know, a Facebook post eventually make it to Twitter just, a little later or at a different time or something like that? So I have a journal editorial calendar, and it's actually based on our e-blasts. Um, our e-blasts so e that go out every Monday has a general theme, and, it, and it's almost, almost, almost always tied into our programs that we're trying to promote. Because at the core of <laughs> At the core of the museum is that unlike the Smithsonian's out there, we are a revenue, we're a for-profit, we're a for-profit company where, you know, we charge for uh, people to come into the museum. And so 
it's my, our, my bread and butter and my goal is always to get butts and seats, is to get people to come to the museum. And then we extend that experience because uh, through, through our social media accounts. So um, strategy-wise, um, you know, Facebook, what we've learned from our, from my, from what I've learned from the insides is that uh, Facebook is, is where people come for history and, uh, they love the history. They love spy history. Um, whenever uh-huh. we try to sort of deviate from that, it doesn't really generate a lot of reach or, or likes. And so that's where people come for history. What we and, and typically a lot of the content that is today in spy history, the um, collection highlights, the behind the scenes, the you know when we post about programs or events that are upcoming, a lot of those do make it to Twitter. But for Twitter, what we like to do is it's short and sweet. You know, it's um, really promoting um, authors that are coming, author debriefings that are coming. It's also about inserting ourselves into conversations that are happening. So if there's breaking news um, about something that's uh, CIA-related, we'll insert ourselves into the conversation. Um, but today in, in, uh, today in Spy History is something that we've carried through most of the channels. So You'll find it on Facebook, you'll find it on Twitter, and you'll find it on um, Instagram as well, as well as the artifacts, the collection highlights. Those are are featured. Um, For the other platforms, as I said, um, strategy-wise, YouTube every Tuesday is the day that we post uh, new content. It actually is um, scheduled to follow the same path as SpyCast, which is our uh, podcast, and so if there's new content on SpyCast, you'll also find it on Tuesdays on 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 uh, on YouTube. And then uh, Pinterest, you know, Pinterest is primarily, as I said, what we use to sort of promote um, the store and also to give someone sort of a visual, uh, you know, look into all things Spy. Gotcha. All right. So it sounds like everything kind of has its its place. Um, so I guess my next question is. You know, you've mentioned that, that social media plays a lot of different roles at Spy, um, education and, and some marketing and, and eventually some fundraising, which we'll, we'll get to a little later. Um, what, does it, are they all equal? Do you see, you know, kind of the balance changing? Has it changed since you've been there? Um, what's, what's the greatest role that it, I guess, currently plays right now? Um, you know, it, it certainly is a tool for us to push out our programs and events. And as I said, um, um, for Spy, Spy Ed has its own Facebook page, and so they push out all the programs and resources that educators have access to. We offer a lot of virtual classes, workshops for students, and so, again, this extends that experience. Um, it's also a way for us to pull people in who may have never known all the different programs and events that mm-hmm. we offer so that's um it certainly is for that and then on the um uh, a more like um how do i say it? on a more broad aspect of education you know we're educating the public about what spying is so if i'm if i showcase um you know a, a ring gun from the 18th century it's you know what some of the earliest spies were using in terms of uh, protection, and uh, so th- that 
aspect of the museum is, and a lot of the copies pulled directly from our label copies, just infused with like something that's a little bit more fun and interesting, uh, you know, like a did you know sort of thing. Um, sure. So we're constantly educating people, but in a like you don't even know that you're being educated because it's wrapped in like you know fun and good imagery and um, and so people don't know that, but that's it. I'm, I'm sure they do, but that's a huge part of it. And then it's also about marketing the museum. Um, you know, there's been a lot of um, growth in the museum in the past. Um, I would probably say past three years especially when we started looking for a new space, we included people in the conversation. When we've had um, um, new collateral that we've rolled out, we've, we've engaged the public in helping us pick taglines. We've engaged the public in getting to know who our board, uh, board members are and like giving them based on like what their spy specialty is, what their tagline would be. So we've done that. Um, when it comes to marketing, some of our more obscure programs that we know that we can't get people to, to come see, we mm -hmm. use Facebook and social media and even use those speakers, social media platforms to sort of like help galvanize support for, for, um, for those very specific programs. And then, as I said, it's a great resource for customer service. Um, it's, I would probably say it's, it's our number one um thing is that you know we we our reviews and TripAdvisor and Yelp matter to us and that conversation starts well before they walk through our doors and so if they're asking about questions if they're asking if we offer discounts if they're asking how long an exhibit is going to be open we use that as an extension to sort of let people to, to have a constant conversation with our customers and then, you know, new this year in January, we acquired a, an additional department to the museum, our development department. Um, we officially became a 501c3 nonprofit in May of this year. And so we see our social media platform being, you know, being open and re-educating our audience that we're also a nonprofit and we are going to be actively fundraising and actively making the acts the ask something we've never delved into either. Sure. So um, I guess we'll, we'll move right into that. I know um, it's, I guess, 10 days now. You guys launched your first Indiegogo campaign for yeah. the Trojan Horse Project to to give the horse power. Um, give the horse power. Yeah, it's dragging along. Right. It's, slowly. You know, it's slowly but surely, like I guess. Horse, we've got like a horse hoof, you know, in terms of paying for the whole horse. We're... we're but it's slowly, and again, I think a huge part of it is is educating our audience, um, and that's something we're still sort of figuring out. You know, um, we've never actually made a formal announcement that we were a 501c3 and that we're a nonprofit and that we fundraise, and so that's been a real education and in messaging uh, and. Uh, in, so hold, hold on one second for me. Oh sure. I just I I just lost power at my house, so my conversation stopped recording. What? If you can believe that, are you, wow! You can't be serious. No, I'm. It's it just just happened. Oh my gosh! Are you incredible? Wait, what? Um. Okay. Well, wait, that's different. Wait, 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 wait! I'm gonna look on Twitter right now. Okay, just to see if power. Where, where, where are you? Oh, I live in up way up in Maryland. 
I wonder what happened. I, I have no idea, but the, the whole house just went dark, and my Internet's gone. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, uh, let's just focus on getting you, like, somewhere where you can have light. Do you have candles? Like, Well, no, I mean, that's we're, we're good that way. I have flashlights and everything here. I'm just okay. going to try to, to see. It's It looks like it's attempting to reconnect now. It's, okay. We still don't have power back, though. Um, we'll just have to go back from that last question. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. Just, what? No, no, just, just hang, hang tight for me. That's... Okay, we'll do. That's new. Um, I know we had a road close today, but let's see. Uh, we are we are dark. Hold on one second for me, please. Oh this is so crazy. What, what what a treat. I'm on Twitter right now. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on in Maryland. Yeah, and something. It's getting crazy in here, I guess. Um, that's very strange. I don't see, there's not like fire trucks or anything. Only the second time I've lived here for three years. Is it the whole house? Is it just your house? Oh, no, it's it's the whole house. We, the power's down. The whole neighborhood is dark. (laughs) You know, of course, when I'm in the middle of a recorded phone call. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Ah, That's all right. Here, if you can just be, apologize for the delay. Get my flashlight here. And we'll see what's going on. Power outage. My girlfriend's checking on the the power. She'll call BG okay. and see what they may be doing. Wow. I don't see anything. I don't see. Wait. Today's a. I don't see power Today's outage. Today's the 13th. We are. I'm north of Baltimore. I don't know. Is there a Twitter thing for that? I mean, there's always something. There's always uh. At least I know for Virginia, it always, like, if there is something, you can always. All right. Well, what we can do, as long as well, you're all right me. with this, we we can yeah. do it over the phone. Um, there is okay. another option that's not computer, and that should have hopefully saved. Um, yeah, it, I we'll hope just, that saved. We'll just um, pick off here. Let me read this here real quick. This is instant conference. You do not need a computer, just your phone. Oh, well, that's good because we don't need power. <laughs> oh, golly days. All right, so. Are you sure you don't want to, because we can do this tomorrow or it, you don't want to figure as, this as long, out? As long as you're okay with it. I mean, we're over halfway through. We can just knock it out as long as that's all okay. right. Okay, all right. I'm down if you are. Okay, do you have a pen? Yes. Okay, It's the number is. 605-475-475-5920. The access code okay. is 483-483-4191. Yep, let's see if that works. I have never used this one before. Um, but, uh, I guess we'll give it a shot. Um, if not, I will give you a ring back shortly. I'm going to call into okay. it and then I have to put a pin in and then we can do the same thing. There's a way to start the recording. So. Okay. All right. So I'll give you a few minutes. Okay. Thanks. Phil. All right. Yep. Bye. bye. 
Okay, and we're back after a slight power outage and a phone shift. So before we left, we were talking about the new Indiegogo project of Give the Horsepower and sort of using social media and crowdfunding as a new venture for uh, the Spy Museum. This project started on October 3rd, I think, and is available yeah. at Indiegogo under Give the Horsepower if anybody wants to check it out. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and kind of how um, these two new departments are going to work together? Sure. Uh, so this is an endeavor from our by our development department. Um, as you know, we're building a brand new museum that's set to open in 2018. Um, we we originally worked with this uh, uh, company called Hans House Studio that uh, essentially they uh, rebuild his, uh, original historical artifacts. Um, and so we had already commissioned them uh, to build something that I cannot talk about, but part of that discussion also brought about the, the Trojan horse, which is one of the greatest stories of, of deception in, in, in all of history. Um, and so we are going to be building a full-scale, uh, period-accurate Trojan horse, wooden Trojan horse. We say that it's period-accurate because it's, one, it's the first time that um, there are only, I think, three representations of the of the horse um, currently existing, and this is the first time that uh, some anyone is going to be building it in a time period based on the time period and the tools using all of those original tools um, that it was first created in. So it's a huge endeavor. It's actually a 2.25 million dollar project uh, for the entire Trojan Horse project. Uh, this includes a documentary that's going to be part of the process and also getting uh, the students in the Enhanced House Studio team back and forth from uh, Greece and Turkey where the horse will be um, reconstructed and then formally brought to the state. So, but for our Indigo project, uh, Indigo campaign, we're merely raising funds for just the construction of the horse, which is about uh, $575,000. And it's the first time that we've ever uh, formally fundraised or, or, or even had a crowdfunding uh, uh, campaign. So it's very new to all of us, but we're, we, as, as you said, launched it officially. Um, and we're about, you know, a week, two weeks in. And uh, we're slowly getting there. I mean, we're like what I think like one percent or so. But it's been a huge learning opportunity in terms of like, as I said, we're in the process. We, you know, we we never really formally announced that the museum was a 501c3. That formal announcement came when we actually had our groundbreaking uh, earlier on and about two or three months ago, where uh, our founder formally announced that we are going to be we are formerly a 501c3. So it's been a real education to make the app. And what I like about social media is that it gives us the opportunity for us to test what works with our followers and, and what will appeal to them and, and how we can sort of get them to get on board and support us. Um, in addition to uh, social, on a social media scale, we also are doing um, an e-blast campaign to promote the, the, the crown fund. Um, and then additionally, we also have um, a direct mail piece that's going out. So we've really invested a lot into sort of, you know, you've got to <laughs> use money to sort of get money. So we've used all of our resources, a three-pronged approach to hope that we can get the word out. Um, 
we're also working with media um, and, and uh, allowing anyone who's interested uh, we've secured interviews in Boston to work with the Hansel studio and the students from uh, Massachusetts art who are also helping us with that and so it's been um, it's been a huge learning curve um, and social media, as I always say to our development director, is not the end all, right? It's not the savior. And it, um, what we've found that really works with our followers is is that is is actually our our bread and butter really lies in our our members, people who are already fans of the Spy Museum, who love the museum, and are excited about sort of the extended portion of this crowdfund. Those are the people that have, we've noticed have been supporting the museum uh, and is supporting the crowdfund. We actually haven't really, you know, generated a lot through social media. We've generated maybe um, one or two great um, um, donations through social media. I think this, there was one from Facebook and maybe one, a $500 one from um um, I think that was direct, actually. So um, it's still a trial and error. Um, we've actually starting next week. We'll be uh, we we're we're um, spending about a thousand dollars in paid social ads that are going to ho hopefully help us to extend our reach um, and to also help us to geo target. Um, we really really want to see whether we can galvanize um, Greeks and uh, members of the Hellenic Society and, and historians and people who are sort of fascinated by this, 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 uh, this project that we're, we're working on. So we're trying everything to see whether we can sort of hit our goals. Sure. It sounds like there's definitely a, a, definitely a lot of moving pieces um, yeah. to, to, the whole, we'll to the whole project. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how we fare out in two months and um, as, I, as I said, the, the, we're we're still two years away from uh, you know having this horse built and it being ready for the the, the new museum, which will be opening in two, in 2018. Sure. So I, I would guess that we can probably see you know whether it's directly related to the the campaign or not. We'll see a lot of Trojan horse material in the next two years. I'm guessing yeah, on social media. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it will be great. And I, I think the students are going to be formally going to Greece and Turkey and starting that aspect of the project, which is figuring out where they're going to be building the horse, um, getting the tools together. And so we're going to be uh, with the documentary team. And so we'll get really, really great video assets um, from that, which I think will really, um, again, help us with getting buy-in and, and continued interest um, in in the project. That sounds Sounds like something that uh, is definitely looked forward to. So you, you kind of mentioned before you have the some of these big projects like the Trojan Horse Project are coming down the pipe, but then you also have the move and uh, the time where you guys will be going dark, uh, where the museum closes and the other one's not open yet. Um, do you have any plans that I guess at least you can tell us um, as far as how you're going to balance the social media, whether it's going to be, um, I know we had talked about previously, driving traffic to the current location, you know, and anticipating the yeah. new location and then sort of that intermediate time and then building hype for the new location. It's definitely going to be uh, a lot of strategy that plays into that, I'm guessing. Yeah, so uh, what the overarching sort of strategy with this is, is a constant, what I'm calling a, uh, you know, like a constant drumbeat, right? And so that's to keep the conversation going 
um, online and to keep people excited about the museum and to give people behind the scenes access all the while maintaining interest um, uh, in in the in the current bricks and mortar building, and one of our key strategies for that in 2017 going into 2018 is getting letting people know that it's this is one of the last times that we're people are going to get get access to see some of these artifacts. We've recently acquired about 3,000 additional uh, new artifacts from a benefactor, H.K. Uh, Melton, who's a huge collector of uh, espionage artifacts. And so we'll have some never been seen before artifacts and weapons and uh, I mean, just incredible things that I can't even talk about. But 3,000 of those items would be occupying the new museum. And so um, a lot of the current exhibit and, uh, and pieces that we currently have in the museum will, will, will be gone and will be, you know, um, put back and archived. Um, and so um, for people who love the museum, who've been visiting the museum the past 12 to, you know, 15 years, this is the last time that you may be able to see some of these. So that's the sort of conversation that we're going to be having uh, on the social media front, just to keep the drumbeat and interest going, the excitement going in the current museum. Um, our hope is that we'll be dark for only three months, but as you know, in the museum world, that's ever-changing and 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 anything can happen. Like, right, so, right, absolutely. Uh, so we could, you know, we're like, oh, we have a strategy for just being dark for three months, but, uh, and, and within those uh, those three months, you know, that strategy needs to be flexible. And so uh, aside from sort of getting people invested and in seeing these things for the uh, last time, we'll definitely have a countdown sort of experience um, um, that we'll be infusing into our social media um, and getting people to sort of like, as I said, share in the experience um, through that. And then um, when the new museum opens, people will get exclusive access um, behind the scenes, the installations, all of those would be all documented um, online. And it's a huge endeavor. Um, because not only do we have to keep this museum open, we've noticed recently that we, you know, local attendance is a, is a huge thing, and uh, and and we're going to be relying heavily on a local attendance to sort of drive this interest in the current museum. Um, I think once the museum is built, people will come, and that's exciting. But um, for the next year and a half, my goal is to keep the drum beat going and to keep the conversation going and to. Um, give people interesting content um, about what we currently have. The James Bond exhibit, for example, will no longer be there. We won't have the James Bond exhibit in its current state at the new museum. So uh, we have over 300 artifacts from Eon Productions and the Broccoli family who own the James Bond franchise, and nowhere else will people be able to see that. And that I think that's really compelling. And so we'll be rolling out a whole sort of you know, last chance to see Bond in its in its entirety, and I think that um, Bond has been such a big draw for our international audiences, and so um, I, we think that that should be able to help sort of help us carry it through the the dark period. Sure, and it it sounds like social media, is, as you talked about before, as far as pushing out those programs and new things that are happening, you know, mixed with history, will be a great way to kind of you know, promote last chance and coming soon, you know, at the same time, which is probably yeah. a very tricky thing to do. 
Yeah, you know, we 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 will be working very closely with our ad agency on the creative front to 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 have that messaging perfectly sort of done to find that balance. But there'll also mm-hmm. be, um, uh, I'll be you know very hands on in terms of giving people. I remember uh, uh, when we first installed the Jaguar, the XKR, the uh, that's in the lobby of our museum Uh it was the first time that we had ever done something live where people were able to i think we had a video up at 2 a.m in the morning showing you know and the ap was there and washington post and giving people that access um to a car installation that you know was just amazing to see a bond car being hoisted and then like turned to the side and so people will have that first like I've never seen it. And people were up at 2 a.m. in the morning to sort of experience this, and it was so cool to do that. Um, so um, I remember those days, and I look forward to sort of like, yeah, being back on the ground, like absolutely <laughs> pushing no, out sort great. of like behind the scenes access. Because I think it's it's all going to be really um, exciting. And, uh, you know, we're working with amazing architects. And so um, on the Snapchat front, we are going to be having, you know, Snapchat give people access to the new location. So um, people will have opportunities and there'll be filters and uh, while they're at the new location, we're going to have some uh, really great signage there that people can actively participate. And I can't tell you anything more than that, but there are going to be great photo ops. Yeah. Great photo ops at the new location as the construction is happening and um, sort of a spy camp by cam uh, opportunity and so people will be able to see the new museum being built as well so I don't want you know we certainly don't want you know we're I think my job our CEO's job for us currently is that we hammer home that we're still open but um, I really want people to get excited because I'm excited about the new museum you know we're going from a you know, a 40 to 60 square foot museum to a 150 square foot museum and with seven floors and it's going to be pretty incredible. So we want people to be along uh, for the ride. Absolutely. No, it's, it, uh, it all sounds very exciting. So I guess is kind of a, a culminating question. Do you have anything um, that's been, you know, sort of your most rewarding project to success that you've had in the social media world, something that we could look forward to, you know, having as, as future social media strategists and people that are functioning in that, any fits of advice or success story or anything like that? I mean, honestly, you know, I, uh, the social media experience sort of fell into my lap. I was a graduate student, like many of you, uh, at Georgetown and I took one, you know, I took a digital storytelling class and then an analytics class and, you know, metrics class, and I, and, um, and just all, all of those classes can never prepare you for when you're, like, in the eye of the storm, right, and, um, and so what is great, and you, what you can look forward to, and what I'm most proud of is when you are able to put all of these theories and practices into work, and to, and to be prepared to fail, and to, uh, and to see what really works, right, um, it's it's a fine art and the landscape is constantly changing and whatever organizational business you work for will have very specific needs um, and they're you know our museum is very uh, focused on ROI because um, you know we our the communications department has a limited budget and so 
you know, everyone says pay to play and sometimes we can't pay to play. It's a lazy way out. And so what we, what I've tried to focus on is just, just staying, putting my hand on the pulse of what's really interesting and what will, what our followers are interested in and understanding who our, who our audiences are and um, what's sort of going to, 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 to get, to get them to be interested in us and to extend um, and to get them to follow us and to extend that reach. Um, so don't be afraid to sort of try things out. Definitely, definitely pay attention to insights uh, and, and, and analytics in terms of who your audience are. Survey them, ask them questions, engage them. And the more that you know about your audience, I think the longer, the, the, the more helpful it will be in the long run in terms of um, informing what your strategy is going to be. Um, my biggest success has certainly been um, single-handedly sort of running this <laughs> thing on my own. I think in the near future, our hope is that we'll get some additional help. Um, and, you know, there, there are certainly organizations that have two, three people running, you know, social media, because you do need those hands to be managing it in real time. Um, and so um, while I'm, I'm, I'm glad that our, we, we've been able to see real growth in terms of our followers and, and likes and engagement and in reach, um, it's, it's been a hard won uh, experience, and, um, but it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Um, you know, every time that we saw our numbers grow, we all got so excited. Every time that we got um, really great feedback, we got, you know, we got super excited. And, and so it's really rewarding. And the response is almost always immediate because social media is constantly, it's, it's constantly happening. It's constantly evolving. And so there's real satisfaction in that. And then I guess my final thing would be to not be afraid to constantly learn and to constantly grow and to pay attention to um, what influencers in the social media spectrum are doing and what's working for them. Um, the museum world tends to be not always leading the forefront in terms of what's cutting edge and what's interesting, what's really happening in this space. Um, you know, I go to AAM uh, um, a lot conferences looking for like what's working for museums and what's, you know, what's getting people engaged and, you know, what's, what sort of new experience can we bring uh, to the table and um, more times than not, I don't always get that. Um, what I'm learning is that you sort of have to, to look outside of our that world to find out what's cutting edge and interesting and what's really going to sort of, and and don't just jump into it if there's a new <laughs> if there's a new you know who knew Pokemon Go suddenly not be like the hottest thing ever you know uh, sure so, absolutely you know fads are fads and people can get caught up in that but find what's tried and true and works for you and be selective about what platforms will work best for your audience and for your, for your organization and then do that really well and. Um, all the other things will fall into into place. And by the way, yeah, pay to play is like a real thing. I just want to yep. say that you could have amazing, <laughs> you could have amazing. You know, in, in 2012, I I would spend an extraordinary amount of time, or you know, writing and finding really dynamic content that I thought would engage our audience. And what we learned, you know, a year or two into that is that 
you know, you could have amazing content, but you're not going to get the eyeballs because the algorithms change so much. And so, you know, the, for Facebook, for example, that, you know, forces your hand in terms of paying to, to play and to, to get those eyes on it. And so, uh, you know, like I said, you constantly have to be evolving and changing and um, make sure that as you're sort of doing your work, you also know the value of who the who your audiences are. Like I said, ROI is really important, and I don't know of any organization who isn't interested in seeing like if you have a you know fifty thousand reach. You know what does that actually mean in dollars and cents? And that matters to some organizations. And so having that sort of insight is also I think has really helped us. Um, a lot because you know at the core we have to sell tickets so absolutely that's it that's, so that's all I've got that's some fantastic advice I, I really appreciate you taking the time time to do this um, I think I speak for everybody uh, when I say we're uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, what you and the spy museum have planned um, in this great period of transition so thank you very much for your time and oh, thank uh, you. We'll, we'll be watching